What is up, everybody? I am Milan Jordan. This is the MMA Daily Blitz, part of the DSP Media Podcast Network. Hey, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you can see the podcast. Also, check out our YouTube page. You can follow me on Twitter also, at Milan Jordan. The MMA Daily Blitz is presented by BetUS.com. Bet with a three-decade leader, BetUS. Join now for a 125% bonus using promo code DSP125 or a 200% bonus with crypto using promo code DSP200. Bet sports, casino, horses, pop culture, and more at BetUS.com. You bet. You win. You get paid. BetUS.com. And what was a crazy week last week heading into 279, UFC 279, wrapped up with a pretty good night of fights in Las Vegas come Saturday night. As you recall, originally, uh, the original main card for UFC 279 had Hamzat Chemayev going against Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson against Lee Jing Liang, and Kevin Holland taking on Daniel Rodriguez. Well, Hamzat Chemayev uh, wasn't able to make weight. Uh, as a matter of fact, he missed by seven and a half pounds, which is you know, over the 171 uh, uh, limit there for the welterweight division. Uh, and going into, before we get into the fights on Saturday, uh, his coach went on to say later this week that uh, the timing of the scuffle about Nate Diaz played a part a little bit in Jemaya, uh had making weight. I said he started this camp heavy. Uh, wasn't enough time to cut weight in the usual manner and time frame as he would in a typical fight camp. But you got to fight, you got to fight, you know when it is. So, uh, But what happened come you know, Thursday night, uh, Hamza Chimaev was uh, getting muscle spasms, he was shaking, he was vomiting, uh, even passing out when he would stand up. So the coach said it was his call to have Hamza stop cutting weight after consulting with doctors and uh, and said it's been harder for Hamza to cut weight uh, since he had COVID earlier this year. Um, now, some of you are wondering, well, because Hamza was still able to fight on this card, why didn't he get fined, and why was he allowed to fight if it was, you know, the doctor said he should not cut weight anymore? Well, Hamzat was 178 and a half pounds. There was already a 180-pound catchweight fight scheduled, remember, between Kevin Holland and Daniel Rodriguez. So Hamzat was able to slide in and get a fight against Kevin Holland at 180 pounds without getting fined. All right. Now for the BS, now on to the fights. All right, UFC 279, Nate Diaz, his final fight on his UFC contract. And he ended up going against Tony Ferguson, which is a fight that fans have been clamoring for for years. Uh, both guys always bring it in the octagon. Very entertaining, great fighters, tough fighters, uh, just gamers and everything. Just end up being Nate Diaz winning in his UFC swan song for now, uh, defeating Tony Ferguson. Uh, by guillotine choke and at 252 of the fourth round and ended up being a more favorable matchup for Nate Diaz as Tony Ferguson came into this fight uh, returning to welterweight for the first time in, in years. Remember, he had a lot of success at lightweight. And also Tony Ferguson, uh, he's 38 years old now. He had four, a four-fight losing streak heading into this. After the fight with Nate Diaz, he now has a five-fight losing streak. But but still, stylistically, and it was more favorable for Diaz, which is fine. And the fight itself <clears throat> was pretty entertaining. Uh, it, it was really interesting. It was, like I said, it was the last fight in Nate Diaz's contract. Tony Ferguson, he had nothing to lose. He was in the main event. He was getting the main event points. Nobody expected anything from him uh, because it was all about Nate Diaz. That's what the focus on. Not that anybody was hating on Tony Ferguson by any means. And after this fight, you definitely cannot hate on Tony Ferguson. Uh, but both got, like I said, it was entertaining back and forth, and 
some showmanship. And because this was the last fight in Nate Diaz's contract, it, uh, basically he acted like a guy who was finally free, right? I mean, no more fights on his contract. He just do whatever he wants. doesn't matter, win or lose. He knew this was his last fight, and he wanted to go out in, in his terms and how he wanted to go. There was a few times where they just kind of just walked around the octagon and kind of showboat. He kind of leaned his hand against the fence. Nate Diaz was talking to people outside the octagon during the fight, and Antonio was obliging. And it, it was fun. It was very entertaining, but it was a pretty good fight as well. Uh, but when all was said and done, it was uh, Nate Diaz uh, winning, again, by a guillotine choke in round number four. Uh, and after the fight, <clears throat> Nate Diaz, I mean, he was great for his time in the UFC, uh, able to help him build his brand. And he said he's not done with the UFC. He's just done with the UFC for now. Uh, he said he wants to go out and maybe conquer some other sports, uh, show some other UFC fighters how it's done. He said Conor McGregor hasn't been able to do it. I want to show you how to do it. Uh, so hinting, he wasn't specific on what he was going to do, but that could be boxing, maybe a fight with Jake Paul down the road. Who knows? Uh, we do know that um, uh, Nate Diaz, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, uh, he has decided to uh, uh, begin his own combat sports promotion, uh, Real Fight Inc. Uh, and Nate Diaz, you know, he's going to work on that a little bit and then come back. He says he wants to come back to the UFC and uh, win a title belt there. Uh, but, you know, Nate Diaz, he's been there in the UFC since 2007. Uh, he was an Ultimate Fighter winner. Uh, he's had an 18-year career, excuse me, in mixed martial arts. Uh, of course, his older brother, Nick, uh, a legend of the sport as well, uh, past champion as well. So um, whatever Nate Diaz does, it's going to be very entertaining and people will be very intrigued. And the fact that this guy just keeps it real, that's what makes him you know, so endearing to the fans and why he is such a fan favorite. Uh, meanwhile, Tony Ferguson, as I mentioned, he was supposed to fight Lee Jing Liang in the uh, co-main event. He got bumped up to the main event against Nate Diaz. Uh, so uh, before Ferguson, he's now 26-8. and eight. He's dropped five in a row uh, before the Nate Diaz fight. Uh, he had a knockout loss to Michael Chandler back in May in the lightweight division. Uh, Tony Ferguson was a former UFC interim lightweight champion. Uh, he at one point won 12 straight fights from 2013 to 2019, tying him for the UFC lightweight record uh, with Habib Nurmagomedov. And and for Ferguson, unfortunately, part of his legacy will be you know, never having that fight against Khabib for various reasons. One of them would be injured, both would be injured, or something would just happen and just wasn't meant to be. I want to say it's at least on four or five occasions, uh, these two were the greatest lightweights on earth, and they just could never get together. And unfortunately, that never happened. We were, as fans, we were robbed of being able to see that fight. But uh, some people, as I said, with Tony Ferguson, he's 38 years old. Uh, some people suggested, hey, maybe he should call it quits. Maybe he should retire. The guy has a lot of fight left. Uh, he didn't look awful in this fight by any means. I mean, he had some moments, and I think he'll be okay, especially not going back up to welterweight. We'll see. Uh, but Tony Ferguson, uh, you know, because he's lost five in a row and because he's approaching 40, some people are saying he should call it quits. But, I mean, he went for a long time without fighting. So I think he's, even though he's 38 years old, fight-wise, he might be a little bit younger. So uh, hopefully this is not the last we see of uh, Tony Ferguson. But if it is, it's a good way to go out against Nate Diaz and having that great fight, but hopefully for Tony Ferguson, uh, we will see him again in the octagon sometime soon. All right, so Hamzat Chemaev failed to make weight, so he ended up getting bumped down to the uh, co-main event, and it was a catchweight bout against Kevin Holland. Remember, Kevin Holland was already scheduled for a catchweight bout uh, because uh, his fight 
uh, with uh, Daniel Rodriguez uh, was put on late, so that's why they agreed to a um, uh, catchweight fight. So Hamza, again, coming in at 178.5, fine, let him fight at 180. And this fight was all Hamza. I mean, just absolutely relentless. It was just, it was just a bulldog. He ended up winning uh, just in two minutes, 13 seconds of the open round by Darce Choke over Kevin Holland. And it was just domination by by Hamza. And the thing is, Kevin Holland, the way he defended it, he didn't really do anything wrong. It was just Chamayev is that good of a grappler, just elite-level grappling. And he just, it was just so impressive. I mean, almost a near-perfect fight. As a matter of fact, uh, for Hamza Chamayev, uh, this is the fourth time he didn't absorb any strikes in in this in this fight. That's the sixth, excuse me, the fourth time in six UFC fights that Hamza has gone to fight without absorbing any kind of strikes. And out of his six UFC opponents, he's finished five of them, including four in the first round. And again, the latest being uh, Kevin Holland on Saturday night, and it was just impressive. Uh, going into that fight, once you know word got out, basically because Hamza missed weight, that threw this whole card into you know, a mess. And so a lot of fans were pissed. They were upset. You see him at the uh, ceremonial weigh-ins, booing him. And this is a guy who fans did like going into this fight, but maybe part of it was that they were booing him because originally he was supposed to fight Nate Diaz, and which wasn't a favorable matchup by poor Diaz at all. So maybe that was part of it. But then the fight never happened because uh, uh, Chemayev uh, missed weight, so they booed him. But, you know, credit to Hamzat. He, you know, the fans booed him, and he just loved it. He played the heel. He he gave the uh, the fans at the ceremonial weigh-ins, uh, you know, Stone Cold Double Bird, uh, flipped them off. He didn't care. Uh, after the fight, you know, just playing up the heel role, really enjoying that heel role and saying, who cares? You know, I did this. Uh, so now coming up, what's that going to mean for Hamzat? Does that mean? I mean, he basically was a middleweight in this fight, right? 178. That's closer to middleweight, so that's you can understand why Nate Diaz turned the fight down. Uh, Chemayev has fought at middleweight in the past, but uh, his manager says he doesn't want to fight at uh, welterweight because, again, right now he is the number third ranked uh, welterweight in the world. So he, you know, he's close to a title shot there. So maybe get another couple fights and get a chance to fight for the title at 170 uh, before going up to 185. Uh, we shall see. All right, so. Mentioned Daniel Rodriguez. I mentioned Lee Jing Liang. Well, those guys ended up being the third fight on the main event uh, card, and you know this was, you know, Daniel Rodriguez. He already had agreed to a catchweight bout, even though he's a welterweight. These guys were all welterweights, but again, his fight originally against Kevin Holland was a late add, so that's why they had the catchweight. Rodriguez is already there. Lee Jing Liang. Out of everyone on this card, he's the one that probably got screwed the most. To be honest with you. Um, you know, he was looking to make uh, some noise at the uh, press fight, uh, pre-fight press conference, but that got canceled uh, because of some uh, shenanigans between uh, Kevin Holland and Hamza Chemayev, some uh, uh, back and forth backstage, and they just happened to fight uh, on the weekend. And then Lee Jing Liang, he was willing to fight anybody. In fact, he was willing to fight Daniel Rodriguez and gave up 10 pounds to Daniel Rodriguez. So didn't look, the odds were definitely stacked against Lee Jing Liang. Uh, this fight ended up going the distance. I thought, to me, it was clear that Lee Jing Liang won the fight. Um, there wasn't a lot of action, but and some fans were booing, which didn't make sense because this fight was made less than 24 hours before they fought. So what do you expect? You're preparing for one opponent for weeks and weeks and weeks, and then now you're going against a different opponent completely in less than 24 hours, different styles, 
and for Gene Liang, uh, you know, he's going against a guy who's 10 pounds heavier, and Rodriguez going against a guy who's 10 pounds lighter would be quicker than maybe he was anticipating against Kevin Holland. Again, two completely different styles. So it made things a, you know, a little bit tougher for the guys. But that being said, it wasn't a bad fight by any means. Um, I thought, you know, that Lee Jing Liang, I, I think he, he, he struck more. He landed a lot more shots. Uh, even though he was maybe backpedaling a little bit or Daniel Rodriguez was the one who was maybe stalking or pushing the pace. Rodriguez didn't really do a whole lot in my mind. Uh, I thought Lee Jing Liang did more. However, the judges saw it differently. At least two of the judges saw it differently. Uh, they gave the fight to uh, uh, Daniel Rodriguez. All three uh, judges scored at 29-28, two in favor for uh, Daniel Rodriguez, one in favor of Lee Jing Liang. Uh, so Rodriguez ends up winning uh, by split decision. So, but again, uh, Lee, Jing, Lee Jing Liang got uh, got robbed, uh, I think, of a, of a win in this fight. But over the weekend, I think he became more of a fan favorite, and people just love him because hey, he's willing to fight anybody anytime. Really is. And again, this guy fought back in July at Long Island. So, um, but he took this fight and given up a 10-pound uh, disadvantage. Uh, but still, you know, in a lot of people's eyes, he won the fight. But uh, the judges uh, decided otherwise. All right, rest of the uh, UFC 279 main card catchweight fight at 140 in the women's division. Uh, Irene Aldana uh, went against Macy Chason, uh, ended up winning by third round TKO. And this is a crazy ending to this fight. It was back and forth. Both of these women, just absolute warriors, are so tough. A lot of back and forth. Uh, uh, Shaysan maybe won the first round. No, I'm sorry, Aldana the first round. You know, Shaysan the second, and just showing it's like, okay, maybe she, you know, is coming, getting momentum there. Third round, it was going back and forth. But then it's something that, look, in a UFC fight or any MMA fight, you never know what you're going to see. Well, in the third round, nobody saw this coming. Uh, Aldana was on her back, so she, uh, Shaysan was. Uh, had was had control, and then Aldana landed an up kick from her back, a liver shot, liver kick, while she was on her back. So Aldana on her back, a liver kick to Macy Chason, and ended up being a TKL 221 in the third round. And the way it Chase any liver kick, the way someone reacts is just like they can't move, they're done, they have no chance to go fight through it. And the way it looked, it, you didn't know what happened at first. It was just like. Okay, it was something real serious. Having ended up being just, it was an up kick, a lever shot. And so Aldana ends up winning. And uh, this fight, again, in the third round is for Irene Aldana. She improves to 7 and 4 in the UFC, and Macy Chason drops to 6 and 3. And the opening bout on the uh, main event card, main card, I should say, uh, Johnny Walker uh, beat Iwan Uchilaba uh, by submission in the first round. Uh, and Johnny Walker, he's had a tough stretch over the last couple of years, but uh, uh, what makes him uh, you know, one of the up-and-comers at 205, he kind of re regained that here in this fight against Kujilaba. Uh, he ended up tapping him out with the rear American choke with just 23 seconds left in the first round, and you know, Walker was uh, escaped an early armbar attempt by Kujilaba, and the thing is, these guys are going back and forth. It was a really good grappling match. Uh, I wouldn't say either, either guy really dominated, but it was you know, Kuchilaba was trying to land something, maybe uh, lock in some submissions, and Walker was able to escape. And then, you know, Walker would try and do some things, and Kuchilaba would be able to escape. But uh, eventually, uh, Walker did wear him down and ended up winning by a rear naked choke very late in round number one. All right, over the uh, end of last week or in this weekend, 
uh, some officially uh, some future UFC fights were officially announced. One that we've a lot of people have speculated for a while and it wasn't made official, but we've known for a while. Uh, UFC 281 at Madison Square Garden in November, November 12th to be exact. Lightweight bout Dustin Poirier against Michael Chandler. That will be the co-main event at UFC 281. Uh, and again, these guys are very similar fighters, and these guys have been wanting to fight each other for a long time. They uh, have similar personalities, similar fighting styles. This will be absolutely a brawl uh, come UFC 281 on uh, November 12th. And then another fight that was announced for UFC 282 in December uh, in the middleweight division will be Darren Till taking on Dreyses Duplessis. Uh, Dreyses Duplessis, uh, he fought uh, a couple months back and put on a very impressive performance. Uh, Darren Till, he's been one of those guys and hovering around the, you know, in the top five, hanging around there for a while at the middleweight division, but uh, not able to get gold. And he's kind of like, you know, in the middleweight division, maybe down to, you know, he was supposed to fight last month in London. I uh, couldn't. Uh, so he'll be back in the, uh, inside the Octagon UFC 282 against Dreyses Duplessis. Uh, also over the weekend, uh, Dana White announced that uh, a UFC event in Africa is going to happen very soon. No no timeline, but he said it's going to happen very soon. Um, and even though, like, Africa, of course, is a huge continent, right? But I'm not saying that, that we don't know of an exact location quite yet. Uh, but the UFC does have a few fighters with African roots who could headline a card in Africa, and they want to capitalize on that market. Uh, you have middleweight champion Israel Adesanya, who uh, is from Nigeria, former welterweight king Kamaru Usman from Nigeria, and then you have heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou uh, from Cameroon. So, uh, again, any of these guys could headline this card, and it will be absolutely might even be a stadium show. Who knows? I'm just speculating. It could be that. Uh, we shall see. Um, recently, of course, this will be the UFC's first trip in Africa. Uh, recently, UFC had their first uh, ever event in France uh, on Labor Day weekend at UFC Fight Night 209. Of course, they had that card uh, uh, sprinkled with French fighters. So look for the same uh, if and when UFC Africa uh, card does happen. Got some uh, sad news. Uh, late Sunday, early Monday, uh, former UFC fighter uh, Elias Theodoro, uh, he passed away from cancer just at the young age of 34. Uh, he was battling colon cancer, uh, but, you know, he kept it under wraps. The only people who knew were really those close to Theodoro. Uh, you know, he, he was a good fighter. He was a 19-3 record of, of 22 fights, 19 wins, 3 losses, including 8-3 in the UFC. Uh, he was in the Uf, uh, Ultimate Fighter uh, Nations middleweight tournament. Uh, he's got wins over guys like Dan Kelly, Eric Anders, uh, and Sam Alvey. Uh, and, but you know, T Theodoru, uh, he was known for being an advocate for the use of medicinal marijuana in combat sports. Uh, in 2020, uh, he became the first fighter to receive a therapeutic use exemption for medical cannabis, uh, which was granted by the uh, British Columbia Athletic Commission. Of course, Theodoru was from Canada, uh, but a lot of people. Butters coming out and just say nothing but good things about Elias Theodoru. Uh, after making his pro, pro debut in 2011, uh, he went 8-0 to start his career, so he, he ended up getting a UFC contract by winning the Ultimate Fighter in 2014. And then uh, uh, he left the promotion in 2019. Oh, excuse me. Uh, he ended up uh, leaving the promotion in 2019, uh, went back on the regional scene and scored some wins there. And then uh, his last fight was this past December, a win over Brian Baker uh, at a Colorado combat event. So uh, rest in peace, 
Elias Theodore. All right, coming up this weekend, uh, UFC is back in action. UFC Vegas 60, uh, Sanhagen versus Yadon Corey Sanhagen, uh, who fought Max Holloway last year, uh, taking on Song Yadong, uh, Chidi Njukani, uh, will take on Gregory Rodriguez, and then one of my favorite nicknames in combat sports, Andre Touchy Feely, will take on Bill Algeo. Uh, and one other fight uh, of interest on the undercard, Aspen Ladd taking on Sarah McMahon, a couple of former title contenders. Uh, so that'll do it for this episode of the MMA Daily Blitz. Uh, again, UFC 279 was an absolute great card, fun night of fights. And even though there was chaos leading up to it, when all was said and done, we got more favorable matchups, more entertaining fights, and more memorable fights, uh, more memorable nights, that is for sure. All right, folks, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter, at Milan Jordan. The MMA Daily Blitz is presented by BetUS.com and is part of the PSP Media Podcast network once again i am milan jordan thanks for checking out the mma daily blitz i will talk to you later